My new course is available now. It's called Instructions to Inner Peace, Finding Equanimity and Healing Through an Organized Practice of Ho'oponopono. Now, this course is for anyone with anxiety, depression, PTSD, anger, self-worth issues, or for any spiritual seeker who wishes to raise their consciousness. Ho'oponopono, or as many people who have taken the course call it, HPO, means to correct errors. It's the ancient Hawaiian technique of cleaning unwanted thought patterns, taking responsibility for your emotions, and raising your frequency for love. I've organized it into a daily practice for you. Check out the link below or go to www.peaceoverpain.com, enter the cyber clinic, and purchase this audio course for a very affordable cost. Give it a shot. See if it's for you. And please let me know how it turns out. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So can you manifest health and wealth? Welcome to episode number 137. Today, I'm sitting down to talk to Dr. Allison Kay. She's a best-selling author, subtle energy practitioner, and a teacher of manifestation. So before we begin, sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful and valuable recording. Let's begin. Dr. K, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. So how would you describe manifesting? It's a sense of being able to take from what is not yet physical and bring it into the physical. Mm -hmm. So we're meant to be stepping into recognizing that we differentiate ourselves from animals because we have free will. Not to say that they don't have an element of it, but we have an intelligence within our systems that is actually able to help guide us into making choices that are co-creating. So the meaning of yoga to yoke with the divine and our higher part of ourselves. So to co-create from what's not yet created by making choices, something to then become physicalized. Now, a, a lot of people get law of attraction confused a little bit they think that maybe they can just manifest a a yellow lamborghini and it's going to be out in their in their driveway in 20 minutes uh but there has to be some action right no just sit on your meditation cushion burn incense and candles play soft relaxing music and just visualize you driving around in a lamborghini while a yellow one a yellow one and don't have a job and don't have a bank account and just hope. Yes. That's how it works. <laughs> I don't usually employ sarcasm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I hear you loud and clear. And I say the same thing. I feel like 
and God bless the law of attraction and Esther Hicks and Abraham and all that they've done to help illuminate for people like the understanding that quantum physics has that in the halls of orthodox science, they resisted for 100 years, because it's no longer the understanding that Newtonian physics had us looking at of everything outside of me is physically stable. I'm separate from it. I can predict what's going to happen, but I don't affect it to now quantum physics. Oh, I'm not separate as the observer. My perception and just the sheer act of perceiving this study that I'm having in the laboratory controlled is actually having an influence on the outcome. So in that understanding, it's in the traditional Chinese medicine. I lived over in Taiwan for 10 years, teaching in an international school while doing all this research and subtle energy and went to India and became a yoga teacher, blah, 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 to understand how subtle energy works. And the, in traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about where qi goes. So that's ki, like great ki or prana, as you say in yoga, vital life force energy. Where qi goes, blood follows, which I add on to nowadays where our consciousness focuses, the vital life force energy then goes, and then the blood follows. So it's saying the same thing quantum physics is now admitted to science catching up with ancient wisdom. Another example of it, physical follows subtle and energy we can put our attention on things i can put my attention into my hands right now if i wanted to right so yes. uh the yi follows the chi right and so nice so we, we can we can use this to help our bodies right oh totally yeah i know that it's pretty interesting one of the things that i do um when i'm working with clients on particular health issues. And it translates into the work I do with people to help them manifest. Um, Cause I have a signature program, magic manifestation money flow. I've been doing this for quite a while and it's fun stuff. Um, like when I've dealt with cancer, less fun stuff or tumors or chronic back pain, there's a training I have in a Tibetan energy medicine modality that attuned and trained me to use my heart to make commands. And when I do that, there's a sense that I'm reminding the cells of their inherent health, that they know health. Hmm. Having faith in your own trillions of cells. Imagine that. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a, an old book from Dr. Emmett Fox, The Golden Key, where he, he talks about oh, I've heard of that. praying for circulation. Like who does that, right? Like who wakes up and starts praying for circulation? But he's saying, you know, stagnation's not not good, but you know, yeah. circulation's good. And yeah. you can actually pray to move things in your body, get the lymphatic moving, get the blood moving, get things going and clear blockages. It could be talking about energy too with the chakras and whatnot, right? From everything I know, decades of meditating myself and teaching it and all the work I've done with clients and on myself and the education and exploration, there's levels to our consciousness. And I feel like the place people might go with what you just said is, okay, so with my intelligence, my mind that reviews emails and strategizes targets and plans, that's, the, that's if I just say, okay, circulation happen and I focus on it, that's going to happen. And what I've seen is that through gradual clearing of what I call the back of the house consciousness, the trapped traumas or trapped unconscious 
conclusions we formed from ages two to eight or um, childhood imprints from our parents when we're not even separate from them from zero to two, blah, blah, blah. There's certain levels of our consciousness and Western psych has an understanding of the cerebral cortex, the front of the brain being the most advanced part and that's the last to mature, hence, and then the emotional reactive um, amygdala is already formed for teens. That's part of why there's so much rebellion because their maturation and self-monitoring hasn't fully matured yet. Mm. So there are different levels of consciousness, whether you look at it from the yogic perspective or from the Western psych perspective. And the one that can connect in with creation or manifesting is a higher, purer, lighter consciousness that would have an end result being if I focus on my circulation or if I pray for my circulation, it will happen. Because I spent a lot of time working with people on their blocks about like, I'm unworthy to receive healing. I'm unworthy. I struggle. Life is all uh, difficult. My first books, what if there's nothing wrong? That's the title. So like there's all of these unconscious and subconscious modes of behavior that I spend time clearing out so that then they can use a higher consciousness of the higher vibration to affect yes. Yes. what you yeah. do. And you just said a word that comes up a lot on this podcast, and that's subconscious. This you deep, rub your head. <laughs> this deep database that we have, this that just it just has so much info in there that we don't even know, right? <laughs> well, that's the point. Like I love to use the example of when we learn to drive. You know how you were saying, put car in uh, drive, put car in reverse, put foot on brake, put foot on, when we don't do that now that we know how to drive our yellow Lamborghini, right? We just yeah. go. So that stuff we've learned goes into the subconscious. So it's not like the subconscious is just this vast storehouse of drama and trauma only. I mean, it's our preference for, of our ego mind, the front of the brain whose thoughts we hear which is only, I think, five to 10% at most. Stats are it's 85% of our daily life's choices are made from our subconscious. And from all the people I've worked with over these years, I think it's closer to like 95%, meaning we prefer roboticness. We prefer habit. And so habit comes from that example of driving, right? So if we clear out unconscious and subconscious blocks and we have more consciousness circulating or chi or life force circulating, then we have more conscious, mindful co-creation made from our choices. So this, I, I guess the subconscious is all bad. So let's use you as an example. So when you were making your program, at your, you were putting in the action, right? To make it, to actually create it but you're also manifesting with your mind that the right people will be attracted to it. Is, is that correct? Or does it happen automatically? Nowadays for me, from doing this for so long, it happens kind of automatically, but when I was creating it, it's a great question that you're asking. So, I mean, you could have the logic and the reason from the education of understanding the chakra column that a lot of people go here when they're new they're like, okay, start with the root, then go to the second, then go to the third and build up in that logical, rational sequencing. But when I was guided, my inspiration, my higher self was like, let's look at your focus, Allison. Let's create a program called Magic Manifestation and Money Flow. 
I knew I was going to use my chakra attunement audio series as a, one of the backbones to the program. So I asked, okay, I'm asking my intuition, my guidance, my higher self-consciousness, what order do these chakras need to be delivered in, in week one, for example, and it was the root, but then the second chakra wasn't the, the second chakra given in the program for the focus to be manifesting as if by magic and opening in the way that's required to allow the results mm. um, is not the second. It went to another chakra. And, and I, I just you know brought it in through my guidance and ended up show, being shown this beautiful order that made total sense <laughs> logically of um, this is what chakras are involved in the manifestation process when and so this therefore is when they, what they need to clear first, what they need to clear second to have increasingly functioning musculature to be able to successfully manifest. So I, my, my third book, it's the only one that I have that's on Audible, it's called Reasonable Dragons. How to activate, so Reasonable Dragons subtitle, it's how to activate the field of possibilities where logical magic is the new normal. This is, yeah. By the way, this is its cover. A lot of people love the cover and sleep with it by their beds. I just was interviewed by one of my actual vibrational upgrade practitioners I've trained. Um, and she uh, loves that book. And she has so much, so many tools um, from me, but she sleeps with that one by her head. It has a great vibe. The point being is it's like a divine logic. I feel like a lot of the people who are new to intuition and, and using it think it's a separate thing. Like it's when they're doing their spiritual stuff or they're manifesting stuff. But I'm all about like the marriage of the mundane and the sacred. And I don't even think anymore that it's left brain, right brain balancing. Like I have a lot of um, successful professionals that come to me and I, I've noticed it's not the rebalancing of the left and right brain. It's more like this, what I've come to call a whole brain consciousness mm. where there is a sense of divine logic. It's just a higher level in, of the integration of the two sides so that it's not that if you're listening to your intuition, it's totally irrational. Sometimes it is only because you don't want to do what it's guiding you to do. And I don't mean something if somebody's going to go fear-based, I don't mean jumping off a bridge, but I mean, if you're sitting there hoping for your yellow Lamborghini, your guidance might be get a job so you can start having some income flowing to you so you can get used to receiving monetary material stuff. Um, and it, that could seem illogical. Why would I get a job when I'm just going to get this yellow Lamborghini? Mm. So yet there's logic in that. You can still see the logic in that. It's just a higher order of logic than our conditioned ego mind and intellect function from on a daily basis. How, how would someone get in touch with their higher self? <laughs> Email, phone, text? <laughs> or uh, TikTok or WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. Or just sitting on YouTube and watching a bunch of higher self-activating videos. There's a there's a lot of different names that people use, you know. Yeah, there is. Some people may call it super consciousness or yep, that's one of the other ones going out there. That's a more western beingness, approach. beingness, maybe. It doesn't really matter. Like I, I'm intertwining it now because I know a lot of people are thinking of it as super consciousness, which is a, a trendier term nowadays, but it really is it's your higher self. Like if you look at the design of our column. We've been functioning from seven chakras. And now from 2012 to 2032, we're in humanity's greatest awakening time. And the 12 chakra column is now opening. And there's, so if my crown chakra, the top of my head is where my higher self starts to, I start to have a connection with my higher self. 
there's three above that even, three higher ones that increasingly are more connected to the divine. I can see people making the conclusion, let me focus then on my higher chakras. No, because the divine intelligence needs a physicalized, localized consciousness, which means you need to be grounded. And one of the habits and practices from the old school spiritual teachings I see are people like connecting with their guardian angels or unconditional love. And they tend to be way up in their head and they forget about their body. But nowadays it's, and I just did a post today about this and sent out an email to the folks on my list about being a bridge between heaven and earth. So the more grounded we are, the more receiving we can do. And the more the greater field can find our localized field and the easier our manifesting becomes. But the higher self, there's another way to talk about this too in that it, all the chi that circulates through your subtle energy system, all your chakras along all the nadis or the meridians, that each one, all of that vital life force energy contains divine intelligence. So it's not like your connection to the divine is only above your head. So how does one get more connected to their higher self? It's the kind of clearings that I'm talking about, like bringing in more light to, so whether it's verbal clearings I do, or it's hands-on remote sessions. I hardly do any in-person sessions anymore, but I'm training, I train people and I have been and still am in how to do this hands-on locally in person as well as remote. So the light has a divine intelligence and it can activate more of that in you while the light entrains up density or lower vibrations or fear-based unconscious conclusions. Like I have to um, be seen but not heard that happened like as a child from the way the parents acted. So as we clear out some of these unconscious and subconscious blockages, then we get more light circulating or more energy circulating. And at the end of my second book, I'm talking to Guru Dev, one of the main people who brought yoga from India to the West, because I was treating him. And, and at one point I'm like, Guru Dev is the same way of calling life force, soul force. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, so is another way to refer to life force and soul force as love force? And he nodded and smiled. And I said, okay, huh. So then that means that unconditional love that is the core of all existence mm. is also in all of us circulating all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So to access more of that, it's <laughs> to work on pulling out all the, like one great way to start is how attached to you are the need to be right. How comfortable are you with letting yourself even move out of the polarity of right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 duality of it, right? You you mentioned merging the left and the right brain. And so you made me think of something I learned about a year ago called whole brain posture. I know a lot more advanced stuff than that, but that's a good start. And I feel like that's like the beginning level. Like no like just beyond the beginning level. Like it's not even an intermediate level because that's just a basic understanding of, okay, so the masculine, the yang takes action. The yin meditates, receives ideas, inspiration. The two work hand in hand, intuition, uh, inspiration, take action step. Next one comes in, next step to be taken. So the how isn't our job with 
the manifesting of something. It's just step-by-step step more nowadays in the list of five target goals that you have to force and make happen no matter what. Um, so it, it feels like that that is helpful, but it's not gonna, if you just do that, you're not gonna be able to manifest a yellow Lamborghini from what I know. So using myself as an example, right? I, you know, I just opened a clinic. I'm working on a new program that'll be out in a few months. Uh, I'm writing, yeah. writing a book, you know, I'm finishing up my sixth book. If wow. I, if I want a nice level of success with those things, what can I be doing besides actually doing? It's mm, a great question. I mean, what I know that works is coming to magic manifestation and money flow, but your whole system gets blasted wide open and you're circulating more light and that is able to connect to the greater field of unlimited possibilities. But to get there, in part, what you need is to clear out that density so that you have your heart chakra in particular working to help you be magnet, magnetizing to you the desired results. You know, when you get in, uh, when you get excited, like what made you say yes to interviewing me versus uh, another person? Like when you just get that sense of upliftment, like a yes feeling when you desire to go on a trip and you get, yes, I want to go there. Like that little bit of lightness, that's the... Chinese and um, yoga culture both believe that the spirit resides in the heart chakra, the higher heart chakra. So intuition isn't just, it's not about the, all about the third eye, as many people think. That is communication from your higher self when you get that slight bit of upliftment and you get that yes feeling to make that choice. So the heart chakra has a lot of, it, it, a lot of advanced um, aspects to it to help in the manifestation process. And beyond being receptive. And I don't mean just allowing yourself to receive and I, all the clearings that I have to do to help people allow themselves to receive. It's beyond what you can intellectualize. It's more of like a state of being where your heart chakra is now receptive to all of life. It's flirtatious, it's playful, it lets in life. And then another up-leveling of that is your heart chakra is able to sing out your desires and there is a magnet, if you look at the, there's stuff out there now, uh, measurements with EEGs and EKGs that the heart is, um, I believe it's 10 times more magnetic, just chi is electric and magnetic, right? All right. So the heart is 10 times more magnetic than the, the head. Mm. And electric, even with all of the synapses firing for all the thinking that we do, the heart is also more electric. So it has this magnetic quality to it, you know, going beyond the universal law, the law of attraction to the universal law of magnetics. So our system has an ability to take action steps that we're conditioned to thinking that we're supposed to be doing out of, off the table because our energy field is doing much of the work for us that we once thought we had to action out. Mm. So there's my response. I mean, do you want specific specifics? You said, no, I don't have to get too specific. That's where I, what I would say. So, you, and you can do these clearings right over Zoom or you have to be live? Or you can go to my website and buy the Chakra Attunement audio series. There's, um, the, it's cheaper to do the whole thing because you get more benefit. I make it cheaper to do the whole thing because, you know, there's so much interconnectivity. If you just go there and pound out the heart chakra clearings, it's not as effective as listening to the whole column, all of them, but mm -hmm. there's assessments you can do for yourself 
where I list typical blockages for each chakra and then this uh, sample of like three minutes worth of clearings and activations right there on the page. So if you just start rotating through listening to this, I mean, I have people who bought those like eight years ago and they're still using them and still receiving benefits from them because if each chakra is a wheel, that's its name, chakra, Sanskrit to English translates wheel. If each chakra is meant to be turning and those, you know, those images of the lotus flowers around the central symbol, that's supposed to be a vortex turning the vital life force energy out. So when we have a chakra that's blocked, it, it, like I've even seen people who are clear sentient in like maybe overgivers and, um, or maybe they, they feel so much, they're so tuned into the external environment where they're seeking a lot of approval um, and they feel it's their job to make every environment they walk into positive. I've seen the third chakra's petals like be inverted because they're taking in way too much input and data from the external environment. Mm-hmm. The ideal is the chakras petals want to be, and I don't mean I'm like literally seeing petals like a flower. It's a sense <laughs> that I'm given, you know, that um, it first is clear sentience and then it shows up as um, a sense of clear cognition and a slight bit of clairvoyance. So the petals in any way are meant to um, emanate out the vital life force energy or the light. And so the more that you're emanating out, the stronger your field is, your localized field is, and the higher your vibration is, meaning the more purified, the more clearings you've done on yourself, the more your system can call out to the field of unlimited possibilities. So um, it's really exciting right now on planet earth, frankly, because we're, we are in the midst of creating an entirely new paradigm. I mean, 2012 to 2032 is this 20 year window that the subtitle on my second book is easing humanity's evolutionary transition because it's considered the most intense evolutionary transition humanity has ever gone through as we learn new ways. And as we come into more alignment, as opposed to being so head dominant and valuing the intellect and all the external produce it does but having that become more in balance. And so um, learning how we have each our own power in our choices we're making. And so that's why we would wanna flush out the back of the house consciousness more so we can make more mindful conscious choices. And that includes our own health rather than deferring to a doctor or medication where they've admitted they suck at chronic in states in chronic care. And I wrote about this in my first book in my last year over in Taiwan, that we're great at surgery, we're great at trauma treatment because boys and toys and the money invested. But when it comes to the chronic conditioning, the chronic conditions, that's all about environment that you create, which is your diet, your stress levels, et cetera. So yeah, there's power that people are just giving away left and right. (laughs) So what's going to happen in 2032? Is there... What happens at the end of this transition? Have you noticed how there's more people out of cubicles and out doing businesses based on their passions? Yeah. So that's been part of the change that's already happened. And that's more heart alignment. Unless I have to do this because this is how I'll make money and have the 2,500 square foot home, the 2.2 kids, the cars, all of that external measurement, it's, it's, that's ego-based and it's crumbling. And so we're gonna see a lot more empowerment of each individual, a lot more heart alignment, a lot less valuing from what the ego mind and conditioning has 
taught us to value. There's going to be a lot more harmony and unity. That book I held up, The Reasonable Dragons book, goes into this uh, the most out of any of my books. Um, that might not be true. My second book, May, Vibrational Upgrade. Um, a New Golden Era is a synoptic way of saying it. Even though things are going to be so much more digital, I mean, we're like, and I call it the digital world order. It's, uh... I don't know about that, mate. Some of it will be like, I think the currencies we're seeing, like even during COVID, people got for doing nothing, checks, right? So that was the experience of people getting money for doing nothing. Then there's the bit currency, Bitcoin. And Europe's much stronger with this than the States is, um, or North America in general with it. But there's people like owning digitalized forms of something and people are using them in the gaming and, and they're just gaining passive income from one in initial investment in an NFT. So uh, I, I have been talking about abundance for all for since like 2011, I would say. I came back from the decade in Asia in 2010 and didn't expect to do anything with money was expecting to do spiritual awakening and spiritual path and holistic health and wellness focused deliveries of workshops, et cetera. And the people that I went to uh, do workshops with and do clearings and activations on in the workshop couldn't receive what I was talking about because why? I had to ask them and go home and ask my guidance and, and receive that. They're too afraid of money. The market had just collapsed and it hadn't bounced back yet. And I had been tucked away in Asia. I had increased my net in cash, my net, cash income by 60%. So I had no effects, thankfully, from that market crash. So I became unexpectedly proficient at clearing money blocks. So I feel like abundance for all, while it is a part of this new golden era, and we're seeing signs of it now, but I don't feel like everything becoming digitalized. I know we're hearing about metaverse and, 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 and all of that. It still feels like the human to human heart physical grounding protection of our earth practices that help conserve our earth's health are going to be more online. Um, and, and please remember, you know, the homeopathic response, it gets worse before it gets better, like a fever peaking before it mm -hmm. breaks. That's what we've been seeing. And in fact, uh, you know, I had been talking about how we have been cleansing and purging for the last 10 years, even before I was talking about all the way through, because um, I had a radio show for two and a half years about this, question you're asking me right now, interviewing mm -hmm. experts. I was at the Mayan ruins on December 21st, 2012, as an expert on a cruise going there to be with a Mayan shaman at Chichen Itza. It was cool. Um, yeah. So the COVID was kind of like, you know, it felt like it was picking up the clearing that people hadn't voluntarily done because there was a lot of people hitting crisis around 2012. And then another, you know, I mean, it just, it's a lot of purging going on. And so it could be getting worse before it gets better. That's how a system lets go of something naturally. Yeah. I, I, I was uh, pretty, I was into the whole 2012 thing quite a bit. It feels like so long ago, but. Uh, it? 10 years. Was, yeah. That's really when I started my, you know, becoming a spiritual seeker and whatnot, like 2011 ish. Yeah. They're called yeah. spiritual awakening times. That's what this is called. Humanity spiritual awakening. Yeah. So what was it? What was it like for you being at a Mayan ruin at the time of the so-called Mayan end of the calendar? What was that experience like? I love that you're asking about that. Thank you. 
it's so cool that, the, that you're interested in that um, and have this sense of your own awakening around that time. I saw waves like 212, even some in 210, but 212 and then another mass wave in 14 and then another mass wave in 16. And it feels like COVID was picking up with where the people weren't awakened yet. So I had been taking, I'm on the West coast of Florida and there's the Gulf of Mexico between me and the Yucatan where Chichen Itza is and where a lot of the already excavated Mayan ruins are. There's still many in Belize that aren't yet to be excavated or currently being excavated and in Guatemala too. I was taking clients on VIP trips down there um, and hitting Chichen Itza all the time with all of, each of them. And when I was there the year before with a client and my feet were barefoot uh, at Chichen Itza, which has the main ball court and it's been considered to be where they created the Mayan calendar from the, the observatory that's there and on the whole Chichen Itza complex. Um, my feet weren't vibrating. When we took that cruise, and I remember looking through telescopes with other experts at the top of the cruise, and we ported where we ported and went over to Chichen Itza. We all had to dress in white, and we had that special permission to do the ceremony with the Mayan shaman. There were TV crews. I heard that I was seen from somebody who knows me in Poland, as far away as Poland. I had my bare feet then, and uh, the ground was electric. Mm. It was it was phenomenal. Um, really special time. Yeah, a lot of people thought it was the end of the world, but it's the, the beginning of uh, a new era. Else. Yeah, but and, you know, the yogi, yogi, yogi Bhajan of the yoga culture, he talks about the end of one yuga and the beginning of another one, yuga's age in, in that lingo. And then as professional astrologers, the end of the Aquarian age, and we're now moving into the Piscean age. Pardon, reverse that end of the Piscean age and going into the Aquarian age. So as I learned when interviewing different experts on my radio show about this for two and a half years, because Voice America out of nowhere reached out to me and asked, do you want to do a radio show about the Mayan galactic uh, alignment, like in 2011? And I'm like, what? Because I hadn't been doing anything public facing with it. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew I was taking VIP clients to Chichen Itza or the Mayan ruins. I wasn't talking about it. And so um, I said, yes. I listened to my intuition for 48 hours and said yes, and then ended up weekly interviewing a bunch of specialists, including scientists who had come up with the ways to measure subtle energy at that point that I had quoted in my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong. Um, so yeah, there's a deep understanding that, uh, I feel like I just wanna say this instead, let me shift gears, the best way to, maximize your potential during these times is to be like bamboo and not an oak tree. One of my teachers used to say, become like a hollow bamboo. Have you ever heard bamboo whistle? No. Oh, phenomenal. You could probably hear it. I think that there's something on YouTube. Uh, put in the YouTube search bamboo whistling or bamboo, bamboo forest. Whistling. Or bamboo forest. There's uh, YouTubes. I, I've used those with clients. Actually, I've sent them to them before. It's cool sound. I want to talk about the title of your first book. It, it, uh, it jumped out at me. What if there's nothing wrong? <laughs> I love that. It's because it, it, I'm assuming you're talking about the mind body connection of some sort and people kind of worrying too much. 
there's layers to it. Uh, the meaning of that, what if there's nothing wrong? Um, so thanks for asking this. It was, it started as my dissertation for my PhD. And I realized as I was writing it, I was on going beyond page 40 and I'm like, okay, I'm being guided down a different path I expected. And so it became, what well, is nothing wrong? And I wrote it on my 10th my year, I was still teaching and uh, administrator at the international school and then the gym at night. And then after that, go to the tea, this traditional tea house on my scooter and stayed to like two or three in the morning writing it. And, and so I was reviewing what I had learned really that immersed amongst the Asians, um, particularly the traditional Chinese for 10 years um, and how they approach life from a holistic perspective and how we do not, and how there would be so much more thriving in the West if we understood that there is a science behind energy and a science behind how to work with the consciousness and energy. And valuing that would reduce the amount of suffering. And then the secondary mission I came back with was professionalizing the field of energy medicine. So it starts with exploring how, if you approach the body from the whole, a holistic perspective, including the mind-body connection, what else becomes available? And I gave examples of like going to get an Ayurvedic treatment or going to get a traditional Chinese um, doctor's combination of herbs and acupuncture over there um, and what they're looking at. And so I do launch from there to then start talking about consciousness and how it's our perception typically formed from the unconscious and subconscious that creates what we choose and don't even see that as a possible choice and what continues to perpetuate as behavioral patterns in our lives. And that one, and so foundationally, if you look at one of my favorite quotes by Einstein, if not my favorite is, um, the most important choice a human being can make is whether they view the universe as hostile or friendly. Hmm. So the bottom line with what if there's nothing wrong is that, like, what if you not only understood the mind-body connection and understood the need to value and that understand that there is a science behind energy and how and why it flows and doesn't and the, how to work with the consciousness and how much more thriving you could have than we know in the West. But if you would also work within your consciousness, you could get to the point of under, uh, of framing life to what if there's nothing wrong and just learn to live in the possibilities. I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people create, their, work. they create, they create their own suffering kind of, you know, I, 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 I it's a choice uh, at this point. And I, I've been saying for like about, I started about five years ago, maybe four, if um, you're still addicted to the par struggle paradigm, I'm not the right mentor for you. So, I understand like there, I have a master's in public administration studying politics and working in politics, particularly environmental policy. And I understand the socioeconomic aspects. I understand there's cultural aspects that cause inequities in our culture. I don't say that without studying it. At the same time, I feel like it doesn't matter anymore. You could have been brought up this way. You could have been brought up in that neighborhood with that kind of race or that kind of culture because I don't even think about race anymore. I just think about where you're from. Originally, your family's from, you know, um, and then there's just different shades. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like recognize, 
recognizing where you're limiting yourself, where you're hitting suffering, you have so much power that you can work with if you were to transform out of that struggle and out of that suffering. And, and so when people have been heavily traumatized and they come to work with me, they take longer because trauma, you know, it's, it's sticky. Um, but just knowing that you could feel lighter and eventually gradually be making new choices that would create new, new behavioral patterns that would create a new life, you're not stuck. What if there's nothing wrong? I mean, you could even, when you hear a thought that you, makes you worry, not only could you hold your ring finger, because that helps reduce worry and anxiety if you hold your ring finger three to five minutes, but you could also ask that thought that makes you worry. Hey, you know, what if there's nothing wrong here? Is that even true what you're thinking mind of mine? Yeah. Hey, struggle is, is sexy though, in a way, isn't it? Because that means I can blame you. I don't have to take responsibility. I can just sit and meditate and hope my yellow Lamborghini. I don't have to do anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people walking around with victim oriented thinking. Yeah. And I'm not saying what happened to them as a victim isn't real and true, but then using it as a core of your identity and making your choices from there and it creating but, a story. Yeah. It, but I always say we're in like, I kind of, we're in like suffering school. Like this is the deal and nothing big, big animals eat the little animals and this, there's nothing fair about this. <laughs> yeah. But there's some small animals that have a hell of a sting. That's poisonous. It's true. Like a, like a little scorpion or something, right? Uh-huh. That an elephant could just step on. Yeah. That's, that's true. I'm thinking about the story of the scorpion on top of the camel going across the river. And he's like, don't sting me. And the scorpion stings him. And he's like, why'd you sting me? And he says, cause I'm a scorpion. What are you talking about? And then <laughs> die. Uh, I haven't heard that. That's a good story. Where was that? Egypt, Sahara, Africa. I don't know. <laughs> I heard it somewhere, uh, but life isn't really fair. And, and so. No, it's not. It's not supposed to be. So a sense of like, if you have a lot of life force running through your system, that also is resilience. It's immunity, but it's it, another way to say it is also resilience. Um, I don't know. I also like to defer to the understanding of, hey man, thank you for this breath. That each of us has the divine in us and out of gratitude, I want to honor that. And so I want to live the most vibrant life where I live up to my potential. Yeah. So, I mean, they have descriptions of the states of mind. So in Buddhism, the basic premise is every human mind is neurotic. Mm. It's not like here where we have our biggest book in existence in any kind of um, medicine psychological labels of disorders they do they being the buddhist canon the buddhist teachings there are and i go through this in my second book there are labels for states of mind like if your mind is gray or if you're dull or if you have a lethargic when i say you i mean your mind your mind isn't processing quickly 
or there's like a, um, or it's jumping all over the place. I mean, there's just, there's Sanskrit terms for each of these states of mind. And so a depressed mind, a person who is in victim mentality has a lot of density that needs to be cleared. And like I was talking about before, but it's also the nature of the ego mind is to be selfish, like a two-year-old. And so the more that you listen to your mind and the inherent nature of it, rather than disciplining it, you're just going to be led to self-absorption. So you have the ability to come out of that depression. It's harder when you've been on antidepressants for decades. I have loads of people who've come to me, not even telling me they're on them sometimes. And then they work with me for a couple of years and they take themselves off of it. And then when they're doing it, they're like, hey, yeah, Dr. Allison, I've been on antidepressants for decades and I'm finally off of them. Thanks for the work with you. And I'm like, what? They never even told me they were on them, which I, I find I have to change my intake forms again, apparently. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've had that happen with me as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit harder to fight against that sense of the world is out to get me. I have no hope and I'm depressed if you are um, have that in your past, but it's completely doable. But again, just knowing that the nature of the ego mind is to be selfish and self-absorbed. And so having a sense of you're on a mental diet, like my first meditation teacher, God bless him. The first thing, not the first, but the most, one of the most important things he ever told me was do the exact opposite of what your mind wants. So let's say I'm at dinner and my ego mind is wanting that third piece of pizza because I'm having a cheat meal or a splurge meal and I'm doing carbs. And instead of eating that third piece of pizza, I don't. So that right there is doing the exact opposite of what your mind wants. But I challenge you even further to at the second slice, leave a bite that you that you would want. So there's a sense of disciplining of the mind that, you know, everybody understands with, you know, the example I just gave, but it is like that. Like if your mind wants you to be depressed, get up and go for a walk out in nature. If your mind's focusing on how bad things are, watch a comedy. If your mind's focusing on how you'll never have what you want, ask it, well, is that true? What if there's nothing wrong here? And yeah. find something in your life that you have received that you wanted. If, if, only, that, if, that if, if only people understood that the mind operates off of patterns. <laughs> and so and entirely. It's, like yes. a, it's, like a, it's like a dog. So if yes, you, it's exactly like that. You give a great example. I talked about that. Like your dog is walking you, running you. It's running ahead of you. That's your mind without you working with it. You walking the dog and the dog on the lead and listening to you, you could even take your dog off the lead because it's that disciplined. That's you working with your mind. You're not supposed to be led by the mind. You're supposed to have it in check. I've been doing inner work for a long time, but I find the, the most challenging thing is to drop those programmed expectations of other people. Yeah, the expectations are a tricky one. Um, they are. But they, they come from, um, and this is in my clearing statement, and it's really fun. Like, I have this expectation, my sister of mine, I don't have a system using a client's example, mm-hmm. that you are going to not want to hear what I have to say. So with that expectation, they then project it into the situation, and they go in and talk in a way that is afraid of not being heard. So it's setting up the situation with the energetics and then her behavior ensuingly that then allows for the delivery of that expectation to be met. Hmm. 
Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, and one of the first things that um, gives when I start working with somebody is that where they have been typically triggered, they are more peaceful. And that means with the relationship that's triggering them. It's that is most typically the first, most immediate outcome. Yeah. And, and then that deepens. And it's always with the inner circle. It's with mom, dad, best friend, brother, sister, Spouse, yep. partner, yep. child. Yep. Yep. But when you, when you can surrender though, and finally not give a crap. Yeah. But I feel like I have a thing with surrender and I don't usually say like, I haven't, can't remember the last time I used that phrase. I have a thing, but I feel like on the memes and social media, it's a really cool thing to say, uh, surrender, let go of control. And I don't think it's applicable all the way through the path of your progression as you learn to work with your consciousness. There's some times where you've got to do the disciplining work and you're not going to surrender there. And other times um, you need to go in and, and draw boundaries and you're not going to surrender there. So I think surrender is just so misunderstood because there's so much ego still. Yeah. Maybe let go is a better word. But even, even to do that, right? Like I see, I... I'm not wanting to make this more complicated, but the reality is, is for people to just let go. I could say that, and yeah, they nod. And then there's, they spend there's a work of that years. needs to be done. <laughs> I could run, you know, then they spend a couple of years try, trying to let go, and I could just run clearings on them and activations that make it a lot quicker and easier because you're reprogramming. So, where you are afraid of who I'll become if I let that go where you're afraid of judgment of others around you if you let that go and become this different person or what you're going to have to do or what you're going to have to lose all of this is running at an unconscious or subconscious level so if we clear out all of that family of limited beliefs around letting go of this thing then they can actually do it without it taking years decades or lifetimes literally like some spousal arrangements some soulmate arrangements just letting go. I mean, that could take lifetimes to let go of. And you come back again and again and do the dance again and again. I've mm. seen, samsara. I remember when I, what did you just say? Samsara. I'm thinking samskara. The K. Yeah. <laughs> Both good on. words. Both good words, you know. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah, but like, like re recently I came face to face with one of my, uh, attachments which is reputation and public image because a colleague of mine just passed away mm. and she's in the health field and she's only like 57 and guess what's happening online she's now a poster like people are using her as a example and saying well if if she's a health guru dying at 57 and why should we listen to her what, what, what? and people are d diving into it and they're digging into it and i'm like holy crap like this woman's gone and her reputation continues and i'm like oh man and then, and then it brought up an old wound for me of reputation and self-image because i've been uh, i mean my whole life's on youtube <laughs> like like forget the akashic records i'm on youtube <laughs> for like 20 years really? and it's like what are people if if you're attached to what people think about you 
it's a it's a pretty big attachment. And if she was attached to it, and I have no idea if she was, but hypothetically, if she was, then that means she was in the hospital dying, saying, oh, no, what are people going to think about me? Because I'm a health guru, and I'm only 57, and I'm dying. And maybe I just went too deep there, and, but I, I went really deep into the scar, into the wound. I and so. This lifetime wound, though, I, I think it's like there's this overall collective in the collective psyche of ostracizing, you know, the picture of somebody's face and hands getting fruit and vegetables thrown at them in Europe or the UK. Yeah. Uh, or the hanging or the you're ostracized from this village or the heads getting cut off and everybody in the group going, yeah, you shouldn't have said that the sun doesn't, you know. It's past life, something past life that's, yes, that's absolutely it. But it's been up for a couple of years. It's been, as as people come out of the spiritual closet and it's safe, like I really find that speaking in a way now that 10 years ago we would have been scared to for getting ostracized or getting made fun of. And the whole cancel culture is an aspect of this peaking fever before it breaks. So it's clearing out from our collective memory. So the image thing, um, I do agree with you. I know my fourth book, my most recent one, Dragon Master Creatrix, first half is about um, the students going on retreat with me internationally getting trained. Second half is me answering questions. These are my most advanced folks who work with me the longest, the practitioners of vibrational upgrade system out there. One of the questions at the end of one of the um, chapters is, Dr. Allison, how can I stop caring about what other people think of me? Mm. And it's, I mean, so like the questions I'm answering aren't about like, what do I do with my third eye when I'm perceiving that, blah, 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 blah. It's very real. It's a very real question because that is like, if you want to let go of something, one of the stickiest points is what will people think about me if I do this and become that? So even that, if I become that is a conclusion unconsciously that you don't know you're going to become that. So the the point being is that um, I have seen this trip people up something fiercely and Thank God. No, that's not true. I had a mistake happen uh, a couple of weeks back where um, my VA had done something um, that I had asked her to do, but there was a misunderstanding. So 11 emails that was supposed to go every other, every day for 11 days, one a day, all landed in people's inboxes on one day, 11 emails from me. So mm. I was, so I was triggered and I, and it was about my reputation. I was like, that doesn't look professional. That looks stupid. Yeah. So, so I then the next, so that- You're, you're that, embarrassed. Yes, there was a slight sense of shame because I present and am a professional and, and present and want as part of my mission being to professionalize energy medicine, I, I want to uphold that. So I instead chose to say in an email, what if there's nothing wrong? What if apparently this program that I'm talking about in these 11 emails really wants more attention? <laughs> 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 so yeah so i just made I, I made it light and fun so yeah. like i i honestly don't give a shit what people think about me excuse the s-bomb yeah I, I really don't because i would just be limiting myself and my life and my potential if i cared and yeah. i'm not willing to do that to myself yeah yeah it's something i have to i dig into or just clear don't even dig into it just clear it just clear. Just <laughs> Seriously, get the shackles. Just clear. Just start. Just start clearing, and stuff will come out. Or work with me live, uh, and stuff will come out. I, I don't mean to be as if I'm marketing. I'm not. But I, I just—it's easier than I think. Like the whole idea of processing. 
or, or I, like, this is why I left the psych major my third uh, semester in college. I went in as a psych major. And by the third semester, I'm like, you're not teaching me how to be the happiest, most joyous, thriving version of myself. I said something along those lines. I don't think I said all three of those words. Because I, I was viewing therapy, even at that time, as why are you going to sit there and repeat over and over again a story you're just reinforcing and then learning about quantum physics and how energy works like that solidifies something that was once a wave at the subatomic level into a particle. So it becomes physicalized. So the more you repeat, the more solid and real and physicalized it becomes. So I saw like therapy useless and psychoanalysis. I don't want to say useless. People need to get things off their chest. I don't mean to be talking so flippantly. Yeah. Uh, it does serve people. Sure. Um, the repetition is it the part that I'm going at. Yeah, it serves lower consciousness people. It doesn't serve higher consciousness people. I'll let you say that. I did. <laughs> I stand by it. I stand by it. Yeah, because victim because lower consciousness people are are the ones in the victim oriented thinking. Yeah, and it is a process of progress and evolution. I mean, it really is. Higher consciousness is what I just did. What we both just did. We both just admitted to something. You you admitted to the embarrassment of the email situation. I admitted to the being attached to the reputation. And when you can watch and you can see what's going on and you know what's going on, that's higher consciousness, right? Because you're, yeah. you're witnessing. Yeah. Yeah, the observer capital O. Lower consciousness people are in a dream so deep. They, they're just, man, I mean, they're, they're, they're walking around like zombies and have no idea that they are. So what I've been saying for a long time now is, uh, and I say it the way I just said it because there's a sense of like echoing. And so that's when crisis comes in. Because if we're not going to choose voluntarily, proactively to work with our consciousness, then something ego shattering is going to have to come in because we are a soul in a human body on a a, a, a specific trajectory with specific things to be evolved beyond. And if we don't, we come back and do it again. So I think that that understanding obviously is inverse for some people who are walking around still in a cloud and, 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 you know, less and less of those people exist on planet earth, even though it seems like there may be more because we're just hearing more voices. Yeah. It's better to live in higher consciousness. It's just, uh, it can, it's challenging because you're constantly working on yourself. You're constantly seeing things that. No, it gets to a point where you can sit and listen to the birds and you're not working on yourself. There does get to a point where that state of bliss or Turiya, as I say in yoga, that state of mind does get accessed and you live more from a blissful state. And some of the people who've worked with me the longest are also there. So it, it is not just possible. It, it happens. Yeah. It it's, gets ve it's very hard to date. That I'll tell you. <laughs> Everyone, I agree. Everyone's in lower consciousness. It's, it's like. I've kind of taken a pause on it because of that, just waiting for it to evolve. And I, I, I love what I do and I love my life. And I don't see it as a lack. It's just a choice. I, I, I'm kind of, you know, I know the timing I'm waiting for it to evolve. It does make dating difficult. <laughs> does. But I feel like 
Yeah, I feel like, and interestingly for me as a woman, the divine masculine is uh, reaching threshold now. We've been focusing on the divine feminine for years now, and it feels like the divine masculine is really hitting threshold. And I'm going to be doing more work with that this year to bring it in more. And I'm excited for that. So, I mean, I feel like um, there's something coming for me romantically. And when it does, cool. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I agree, though, it does make dating a dance that, you know, sometimes it's not worth it. <laughs> At some point, the yellow Lamborghini is just going to pop up. It's just going to boom. It's just going to be there. And maybe there'll be a man in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if it would be a Lamborghini. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So where can the listeners come find you and say hello and see your work? Vibrationalupgrade.com. And it's a free group on Facebook where you can see me um, most days of the week with some sort of coaching and helping to keep you on track. Uh, the Chakra Series is on vibrationalupgrade.com. Look under products if you want to check that out. You need my middle initial, Allison with one L, J. So middle initial, K-A-Y on Amazon to get to my books. That's enough. YouTube channel too. You got a lot of letters there and then go figure the last name is K. K-A-Y, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last question. Okay. The three most inspirational books you've ever read. Conquest of Mind. Anatomy of Spirit, and when I was, I think, 14, that was my first encounter with Wayne Dyer, mm. and that was your erroneous zones. Okay. I don't know if it would have the same impact now, but that was a good starter at 14. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, same here. Have a great, brilliant, easy day. Here's a question for you. Start just throwing this out. I wonder what my life would be like if everything were a thousand times easier. Feel free to ask that a couple of times a day. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time. May peace be with you.